We are thrilled this morning to have John Reed with us. I've known John for over 15 years. I first met him years ago when there was a young man named Matt McMillan who was a youth minister at Hilltop. I worked with him through the uh, youth wave thing that we had at Pepperdine that was great. I've, some of you have known the church for years at Hilltop and El Segundo. I've been acquainted with them. I've seen them go through the ebb and tide and the flow and the ups and the downs. And the most exciting thing for them in the last year has been they've moved back into their building. And I'm sure John will tell you a little bit about that, but he's going to share a message with us about being in the family. And this is family. This is family. I prayed earlier for Kyle Sturgeon. He was an only child. He lost his mother years ago. He lost his father this week. This is his family. And as we embark upon this journey together, John's going to lead us in conversation and understanding a little bit more about what this family really means and how it can grow and how it can expand and how we can welcome even those who are strangers among us. So John, come and share a message with us, and uh, we'll say some more at the end of the service. Good morning. It's great to be with you all this morning. I'm so glad to be here. I got up very early and headed down from El Segundo. I got here about 6.30 and prayed for this church. Not on purpose did I get here at 6.30. I forgot to set my clock. So I've been here a while. And uh, I did get to have some extra time uh, for, for prayer this morning, and I'm so glad that you're here today, and we're going to explore what God's Word has to say about the importance of, of being a welcoming people. And uh, Ed, it's, you know, we have known each other for a while, and I know you're a man of God, and that you love the church, you know, with all your heart, and I know you're doing great work here, and it's been so nice to get to know Aaron and Aaron's family kind of been stalking them on Facebook a little bit. You're always posting things. And uh, isn't it great, just a, a blessing for this church to have uh, Ed's family and Aaron's family with you all? They're awesome. Great, great people. So, yeah, give them a hand. And they have a heart for churches' desire to be welcoming, as do your elders. And so I just want to thank your elders and your deacons, your leadership here, for saying that, listen, we are a welcoming church, but we want to take being a welcoming church to the next level. And what does that look like? And why would we do that? And Hilltop is a church that had to go through that and learn that. And I'll share some of those stories with you. Um, I'm, I'm also thankful for the Hudson family who are here today. I hope you know the Hudsons. Certainly Ben and, and Hannah over here. Raise your hand right there. They're, they've been here a while. They've been here a couple years, and I hope that they do feel welcome in this place, right? Uh, Ben's down, they're both down doing college. And then we have uh, Marty and Debbie Hudson with us this morning, and Marty is uh, one of the elders at Hilltop, so I'm so grateful that, that he's here today. Welcome, Marty. Thanks for being here. I tell stories about Marty in my training. I, they're not appropriate for to this morning, but if you come Saturday, I tell stories about Marty. <laughs> he gets this. So anyways, again, uh, welcome. So I have been the minister at the Hilltop Church of Christ for the past tw uh, 22 years. We are in El Segundo, just a stone's throw from the LAX airport, literally a stone's throw from the airport. I've been married to my wife, Becky, who is absolutely amazing. I wish she could be here. She's actually at Hilltop this morning. But we've been married for 32 years. We have two children. I have a son, Zachary, who's 27, and he's, at, he's teaching a professor at Oklahoma State now. And then my daughter 
is teaching English in Madrid, Jessica, she's 23, and she's going to be in Madrid for a year teaching English, and please pray for her. It's really hard on mom and dad to have your daughter that far away, so she's, uh, but she's loving it. So we, we came 22 years ago to the church there in El Segundo, and when we were asked to come to the church there, the church had actually dwindled down to 11 people in attendance on a good Sunday. 11 people. And I was preaching at the church in Fraser Park, which is right on top of the grapevine. If you've ever gone over the grapevine, there's this town of Fraser Park. There's a wonderful little church that was there. And I was preaching for that church when they asked me to come down. And I wouldn't have come except that we had deep roots in El Segundo. In 1953, my grandfather had helped to plant the, the El Segundo Church of Christ there. And we had seen it the good days, and then we had seen it kind of die down to where they were, they were actually renting the building out to the reorganized Latter-day Saints just to keep the doors open. That's how, how bad it had gotten. And so we, we came down, we said, yeah, we, we would love to help this church and see this church grow. But I told them up front, we don't have a clue what to do. And we, we don't know what we should do here. And to help turn things around. And I said to the leaders, just a handful of us, I said, why don't we just pray and see what God puts on our heart? What should we, let's just pray. Rather than coming in with all these ideas of how we're going to grow the church and all these fantastic things we're going to do, why don't we look for what God's already anointing and get on board? And so they said, that's a good idea. Let's pray. And so we prayed and God rose up this one word, welcome. I mean, we all heard, be the most welcoming church on the planet. People around want to come to church, and they want to feel welcome when they come to church. And so you do whatever it, whatever it takes for you people. You just be welcoming and watch what God will do. Little did we know how he was going to test us in that word. Now, the text of all places that God had put on our hearts is found in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 33. So Leviticus, of all places, to find a passage on welcoming. And listen, listen to what it says here. When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself. For you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. Now that word foreigner can also be translated, maybe your translation says stranger. When a stranger is among you, when a guest is among you, don't mistreat the stranger. Don't mistreat that guest because you know what? You were all guests to a church at one time. Everybody here this morning came for that very first time as a stranger. Maybe you knew some people here, but, but you didn't know everybody here. Think back to that first time you came. And so God says, look, it also, that, that word uh, foreigners also translated alien. When an alien resides among you, don't mistreat them. I don't like alien. It reminds me of the movie Alien. You guys remember that? That thing jumps out of the lady's heart, and it's like, Arr! that's what I think of with that word. 
But, but, but it could also, it's a guess. When that stranger is among you, don't mistreat them. Treat them as one of your own. Treat them as one of your native born. You know why? Because you were strangers at one time yourself. You were all guests at one time. And a church cannot grow without guests. We have to have guests come into our midst to see the church grow. And we have to know how to love them and how to welcome them. And then this passage, if you notice, it's tied to what Jesus said is the greatest commandment. Jesus said this is the most important thing. What is it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment than these. This is important. Jesus says to love the guest, to love the stranger is the most important thing. And then whenever God follows a sentence up by, this is the Lord your God, okay, you don't hear that a lot. But when you do hear that, it's like saying, this is important, church. If you get anything, you need to get this. This is not anybody just talking. This is not John talking. It's not your leaders talking. This is the almighty God saying, you must welcome the strangers that come among you. Love them as you love yourself. I am the Lord, your God. So God's giving us this message, and we say, okay, Lord, that's it. We're going to be a welcoming church. And I've been at Hilltop probably just two weeks, and I get a call from a lady by the name of Lori Garrett. And she calls on the phone, and she is, is just sobbing, just uncontrollably crying. And finally, I had to just interrupt her, and I said, Lori, what's, what's going on in your life? I didn't know her. She had never been to our church before. She just looked us up online. And, and she says, I said, would you like to come in and meet with me? And we can pray about whatever's troubling you. So Lori comes, and she shows up. I'll never forget, she comes to my office, and she walks in, and Lori just again just begins to, to weep. And after a while of weeping, I said, Lori, what is it that's troubling you? She says, I have been addicted to methamphetamines over half my life. And I'm going to lose my five-year-old daughter, Miranda, if I don't turn around, if I don't get some help. Can you help me? And I said, yes, God, God can help you. And, you know, we can help you. And I, I prayed with Lori and I said, look, why don't we get together next week and we can pray again, talk some more and study the word of God together. She said, I'd love to. But the very next day, that Monday, I'm up at Pepperdine University playing basketball with some friends, and I get a page on my, on my pager. Now, you, you may not know what pagers are, these, these, this row here. You don't, see. We used to have these things called pagers, and they would beep or light up or vibrate, right? And they'd show a little number on them. We did not have cell phones. When I grew up, we didn't have cell phones. Actually, we did, but um, we had, I had a car phone, so I thought it was cool. It's like my car phone was this big, but it was a phone, right? So anyways, I get this page. I don't recognize this number, and I call uh, the number, and it's the Los Angeles Police Department. And they say, we have arrested a young lady by the name of Lori Guerin, and she's going to go to jail for a long time. And she would like to turn custody of her five-year-old daughter, Miranda, over to you. 
I had only met her one time. But, but what drugs can do is drugs sever relationships. You just go, you just eventually you burn every relationship you have. And I was the only person Lori trusted enough to take care of her precious daughter. So I told the police, absolutely, we'd be happy to do that. And I get in my car and I start heading down to the L.A. Police Department. About halfway there, I'm like, I probably better call my wife. <laughs> so I give Becky a call. And I say, hey, hey, babe, uh, you know, we're going to have another child. And she's like, well, we've had this conversation. Two is enough. No more. And then I explained the situation about Miranda. She said, okay, absolutely. I'll never forget arriving at the courthouse, walking up the stairs and walking in and seeing Lori with the police and this precious little girl, Miranda, big, beautiful brown eyes, just bawling. I'd never met her before. And I went up to Miranda. I said, I said listen, I know your mom, and, and we're, we're, we're going to have a family, and we're going to be a family, and we're going we're gonna to take care of you. And she got into the car, and, and we went home, and I told her I had a son, Zachary, that was her age. They both were five at the time, and you know, we, we took her into our home. And to make a long story short, Lori gets out of jail much faster than she thought on a, on a technicality of the court. She was, she was allowed, thank God, to, to get out. She's reunited with her daughter, Miranda, and we start studying about Jesus Christ. And Lori, through the course of studying, decides she wants to become a Christian. And she, is, she puts her faith in Jesus, and that's my hope. That's what's going to change is Jesus, Jesus is my hope. And she becomes a Christian, and she's baptized into Jesus Christ. And she starts telling, you know how sometimes when you become a Christian, you know, you're just so on fire that you just you can't help but share your faith, right? And that's where Lori was. And so she says, can you tell all my friends about Jesus? I said, absolutely. But all of her friends were drug addicts. So she just says, will you go to Narcotics Anonymous meetings? And, and I would. I'd just follow along, and I'd go to these meetings with Lori, and she'd introduce me to her friends. And within two years, we baptized 25 recovering addicts into Jesus Christ. Now, imagine this for a moment, if you've been raised in church. We now have 25 born and raised Church of Christers worshiping with 25 recovering addicts. Church was interesting, to say the least. Every time one of our recovering addicts would get up to serve on the table, I'd just be like, oh, Lord Jesus, guard his tongue, protect what he's going to say. You never knew what was going to come out of They were different. They hadn't walked with Jesus for years. They didn't even know, really know. They just, they just put their faith in Jesus. And the church began to grow. God began to bless that. One of the people that came to our church, his name was Jerry Beasley. Tattoos just everywhere, all over. I mean, these, these people, they had tattoos, they had colored hair, they had the, you know, beads in their eyebrows and beads in their nose, and half of them looked like they fell down a, a, a flight of stairs with an open tackle box, okay? Just lures, like hanging. <laughs> and our old ladies... I was so proud of our elderly ladies because they were the first to, to go up to these people and sit by them in church so that they weren't alone. And they'd put their arms around them 
like the Francis Calhouns. And they'd pat them on the back and pet their hair and tell them God loves them. Jerry was in jail more than out of jail. He did time right next to Charles Manson. And yet now he finds life in Jesus Christ. God took this welcoming spirit and he says, you say you're going to be welcome, who are you going to welcome? Not just people like you, not just people that look like you, not just people that talk like you. If you're going to be welcoming, I'm going to test you in this. And boy, did he test us. And we had to change. We had to change our attitude about how we treat people, how we love people. We had to love and welcome those strangers that God brought into our midst. A passage that really began to take root with us is it's a familiar passage to some of it. It's found in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. If you have your Bibles, turn there this morning and follow along. We read it as part of our reading during the, the worship earlier, but I want to point out just a couple things. So you know that the story is when a woman has been caught in adultery, she's really used as a pawn, right? She's just this, they're trying to trap Jesus. So the Bible says that, that the woman was caught in the act of adultery. It doesn't mention the man, which is kind of a cultural thing of that age, or the man was in on it. I wonder if maybe the man was a part of this trap. But at any rate, could you imagine this woman who is caught in the act of adultery? She is hauled out of the house. She's dragged out. She's half naked, dragged along this dusty road with all these people picking up rocks along the way. Her heart's beating. She's sweating. She's afraid she's going to die because the law said to kill such a woman. And what's Jesus going to do? Could you imagine being there if you were that woman? She's humiliated, but she's afraid she's going to die, and she's thrown at the feet of Jesus. And they say, teacher, what, what should we do? What should we do with such a woman? And Jesus masterfully just stops everything, doesn't he? he it's like Jesus just puts things on, on pause. Slow down. Wait a minute. Listen up, everybody just calm down. He bends down and he draws a line in the sand. Or maybe he draws a word or a fish. Or there's a lot of speculation. I think Jesus was just pausing, calming things down. And the text says that we read this morning, I liked that translation, it says Jesus stooped down. Jesus stooped down in the dirt. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is not too high and mighty. Jesus is not so holy that he won't stoop down and get dirty and rub shoulders with people who the world says are dirty people. He gets down on her level, right? The holiest, exalted Lord of lords, King of kings, stoops down. And then when they continue to persist, he rises up. And he says, let he who is out sin cast the first stone at this woman. And then you hear the stones start to fall. But they aren't being thrown. They're being dropped. The wisest ones first. 
and they begin to go away until Jesus is left alone with this woman. And he says, woman, where are they? Where, where is everyone? Has, has anyone condemned you? And now you can imagine she's looking around and nobody's there and nobody's holding stones. And she says, no, no one, Lord. And he says, listen, neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. Jesus accepts her right where she is in her sin and then helps her accept where God wants her to be. See, it's not just enough just to welcome and accept everyone. Together we have to accept that vision of life of who God wants us to be, right? But he accepts her in her sin. And the, just the heart of a welcoming church is when we realize all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sin. Every person here is a sinner. And we, we are on equal ground at the foot of the cross, right? In fact, just, just turn to the person next to you and say, I'm a sinner. Go ahead. I know it's hard for some of you. It looks real hard. But we are. So here's what, listen, if Jesus accepted you right where you are, what does he want you to do? He wants you to accept others where they are, right where they are in their sin and brokenness. So when people come and you don't know it, they come and if they are alcoholics, if they are addicts, if they are prideful people, if they are gossips, if they are gluttons, you are welcome in this place. If they are same gender attracted, you are welcome in this place. We accept you right where you are. But we love, we love each other too much to stay there. Amen? We've got to grow. We've got to, we've got to become who God wants us to be. So we are all on that journey together. But you see, we're at different places. And so I just pray that this is a church where you're not too proud to realize that you have, you have been steeped in sin and you have been, been redeemed by the grace and blood of Jesus Christ and you are being transformed and praise God for that. But we want other people to be in our church that, that, that aren't there yet. But they can be. You see, a welcoming church, this is the foundation of evangelism and outreach to a lost and dying world. We have the good news of Jesus Christ and we want to share that. We want to teach people and we want to journey with people. Accept people where they are while helping each other accept where God wants us to be. Okay, welcome one another. Now here's the challenge. If we're going to accept people where they are, guess where people aren't today? They aren't in church. Okay? Church is rapidly on the decline in our culture today. Fewer and fewer, every year, fewer and fewer people. There is not a county in America that has more people attending church today than 10 years ago. Not one county. Church is on decline. So I was preaching that, you know, we need to accept people, but it's not just enough to just say, you come to us and we will welcome you. We'll have our booth. We'll have all these wonderful... You come to our territory and we will welcome you. If we're going to accept people where they are, we have to go out and live welcoming lives out there. Amen? 
Because that's where the people that need Jesus are. So if we are going to be, it's, listen, listen, it's really hard to be welcoming on Sunday mornings if you don't live a welcoming life during the week. You can't just come and put on your Christian smile and everything's great and we love you and then go out and not be welcoming. We have to go out because, listen, welcoming is an attribute of God. It's an attribute of God. God is a welcoming God. We must be, we must be a welcoming people, every one of us. And that's challenging. If you're, if you're an introvert like my wife, it's really challenging to welcome people we don't know. But that's, the, that's what God calls us to. So I preach this. And, and, you know, for me, whenever I preach it, I just, I've got to try to live it out. Okay? I want to live out what God's calling me to preach. And so I said, on Fridays I go golfing. And so this, but typically on Fridays when I would golf, I would go with uh, elders or deacons or people that I knew from my church. And so after telling, challenging the church to go out and be welcoming, I said, all right, I'm going to golf on Friday and I'm going to go and I'm just going to show up and see who God pairs me up with and I'm going to try to just welcome them and, and show the love of Christ to them no matter who they are or what their background. I remember getting to a laundry golf course and I've got my clubs and I'm sitting in my car and I just say a little prayer. I say, God, could you just use me today to show the love of Jesus Christ to someone, to welcome them into my life? Please use me, Lord. Amen. I get out, I get my clubs, and I go up to the first tee of the golf course and I pay the guy. I say, hey, you know, just who are you with? I said, well, I don't have anybody. Just pair me up with someone today. He says, all right, there's some people going off the tee right now. You can go with them. So I pay my fee, get my clubs. So I'm walking up to the tee, this big, gruff, tough man comes off the tee and says, are you golfing with us today? I said, yes, sir. He says, are you walking? I said, well, yeah, I didn't have a cart. He's like, put your clubs in my blanking cart right now. Okay. He tees off just this horrible shot, like a duck hook out of bounds, throws his club and just starts cussing up a storm, comes back. I, I tee off and, you know, I get in the cart with him. And, I mean, he's just cussing up a storm. We get to the second hole, no kidding. He pulls out a joint and starts smoking pot. And he's like, you want to hit? Um, I didn't know what to say. I'm like, not today, no, you know. <laughs> I'm nervous at this point. Wasn't legal yet. <laughs> so, uh, all right, so long, fast forward. I mean, he's just smoking and cussing the whole time. I mean, this guy is a bar-hopping, brawling person, and I'm thinking about halfway through, okay, Lord, I see what you've done here. <laughs> What's he doing? He's testing us again. We get to the last hole, and, and I think I've made it through, and he's like, hey, man, you, you want to golf next week? You're my new blankety-blank friend. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So, but this next Friday, one week from when I start, when I met him, I, I bring the elders with me this time. <laughs> and I said, now listen, I said, I... I said, I haven't told him I'm a Christian. I'm just, we're just showing the love of Jesus, all right? We're just going to welcome him and let our light shine. He's a little rough around the edges. 
So they go out, we tee off, and I'm, this time I'm driving the cart, and I'm going along with Greg, and, uh, you know, we, we get to the second hole, and he asked me the question. You know what question? What do you do for a living, right? I said, well, I'm a minister. I've never seen this reaction before. He starts shaking, oh, like this. He falls out of the golf cart, and he says, Oh, man, I was smoking pot. Oh, you know. <laughs> he gets back in, and, and now this is, this is just awkward silence. <laughs> Dead silence. For the, no, I don't say a word. He doesn't say a word. We get to the third T, and he says this. He says, John... My mom died in my arms when I was five years old. And I swore that if there was a God, I would live in rebellion to that God all of my life. And I have. I am not a good person. I hate God. But something happened to me 30 years ago, he said. Not 30 years ago, 30 days ago. He says, 30 days ago, I was arrested again for a DUI. And they mandated me to go to a program, an AA program. And at this program that I've been going to, they're speaking about this higher power. Last Friday, before I met you, I was in the shower. And I cried out and I said, God, if you're there, if you can hear me, if you care, could you lead someone into my life today to show me you love me? The very same morning I'm praying, God, guide me into someone's life that needs Jesus today. He's praying, God, will you lead me to someone today to show me you care. Do you see how God is just orchestrating this? I believe God is orchestrating these things all the time. And we're just not in tune with the Spirit and we don't have that welcoming heart and we just, every opportunity, every day we miss opportunities to love and to welcome people and to see the power of God act in our lives like this. So Greg, heroes his name, Greg comes to church that Sunday, and I'll never forget, he's in the parking lot, and he's, he's in his car, and he gets out of his car early in the morning, and, you know, we got our guest relations team kind of doing their thing, and he, he gets out and just starts smoking a cigarette, puffing away. And he gets back in his car, and I think, uh-oh, he's going to leave, and he just sits there for a minute, and then he, he gets out of his car again and starts smoking and puffing away, and gets back in his car, and then he gets out of his car. He is wrestling with Satan. He literally told me he thought he was going to be struck by lightning when he walked into that church, but he did. I got the guest relations team. I'm like, get out there. Go get him. <laughs> they invite him in. He sits in the back row, right, right about there, that back row. Second song in, he just starts weeping uncontrollably. He said he hadn't cried in 30 years. 
But the love of God in the songs and the words are just touching his heart. And Frances gets up and sees this and she goes and she sits by Greg and puts her arm around him. Says, it's going to be okay. You're in the right place. Welcome home. We start studying with Greg again. Just, I wish I had time to tell you more stories, but it's just the power of God. And Greg becomes baptized into Christ, and his roommate becomes baptized into Christ, and there's some, and God's on the move again. And a church that's 11 people grows to 25 people, and a church that's 25 grows to 50 people, and a church that's 50 grows to 100 people, and a church that's 100 goes to 200. And, 250 people on one word, God moving powerfully, adding to his church through one word, welcome. Welcome. And he's just continued to move and continued to test us. I'm a welcoming God. Will you be a welcoming people? Have you seen the movie, anybody seen the movie Antoine Fisher? It's a great movie. Show of hands if you've seen it. Just a couple of us. Rent that movie. It's awesome. It's star, uh, Denzel Washington, who I love, is the star of the movie. And it's a, it's a true story. It's called Antoine Fisher. True story. About a, a little boy whose mom was a drug addict, and he was taken out of his home, and he was put in the foster system as a little child. And as a little child, he was abused radically over and over again. From home to home, he was abused in these foster homes. He was physically abused. He was sexually abused. He was emotionally abused. And just to get away, he decides, I've got to get out. And and he joins the Navy. And his superior officer in the Navy is played by Denzel Washington. He gets into the Navy, and, 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 and Denzel starts to, to mentor, mentor him. And he, and he tells him, eventually, after he starts to get his act together, he says, you need to go, and you need to find your family. You need to go find your, your real family, your blood family. And so he, he's got a girlfriend, and, and she's a wonderful person, and they start this quest to go home and to go find their family. And he finds out just a horrible background on his mom and his dad was out of the picture. But at the end of the movie, he gets to, to find his real family. And uh, I want you to watch a little clip of this and think about Welcome when he actually finds his family and meets them for the very first time. Watch this.
come. That's church. People come into this place and they, they don't know their home. They don't know that they're with family. They don't, they don't even know what this feast is, this, this banquet table that's been prepared in the name of Jesus Christ. And we are called to live that out, to welcome them to welcome them into this place and see God's power move and grow and heal and restore. When you decide as a church to live that out, watch out. It's scary. It's challenging. But it's the good news, the gospel of Jesus. And it will transform this church and it will transform your life with that one attribute of God, welcome. You're home. This is family. You found it. And what a great family this is. Let's open our arms and welcome others to come in and love them with the love of Jesus Christ as he's loved us. I want to just ask you this morning that I just want to invite you, really, to pray for a welcoming spirit, to pray that you'll have courage to be a welcoming person and to, to grow in being a welcoming church. And most importantly, if you're here this morning and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've heard about a Jesus and a God who loves you, who, who welcomed you so much that he went all the way to the cross and died on a cross for your sins to say, welcome, welcome home, welcome into heaven, welcome into relationship with my Father. He cared so much that he died on a cross for you to do that. And, and so to accept that welcome, then you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you, you want to journey with this church. So if you're a guest here, if you just started coming to this church, I want to invite you to... Most importantly, accept Jesus Christ because he's accepted you right where you are and he loves you too much to leave you there. Give your heart to Jesus this morning and learn about the importance of being baptized into Jesus Christ so that your sins can be washed away, so that you can be restored, so that you can be re renewed. As it's Joni recently has. It's Joni, right? Yeah, congratulations again, by the way. Praise God for that. And, and I know you feel welcome home. And so there's God's moving in this place. So I invite you to that, and I want to invite you to prayer this morning because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if you have been walking in sin, you are still accepted in this church, but more importantly, you're still accepted by God through Jesus Christ. And what God says is that if you are caught in sin that you need to be restored and confess that sin. And so I want to encourage you this morning. We're, we're going to sing a song. Um, 
And it's kind of a happy, clappy, you know, message song of, uh, you know, um, uh, go and spread the good news, and that's very key. But if you just throw at a contemplative point for a moment, and you would like to come for prayer, it's, it's really appropriate because this is family. We pray for each other. We, we forgive each other. We help each other. It's family. So you could come even, even as, as we sing this song. So could I ask Ed and Aaron, could you guys just come up front here? And if someone would like prayer, can they come up and just pray with you now? Would that be okay? Let's all stand. Aaron, Ed, come on up. And let's uh, sing and, and live out that welcome message.